Good morning, and oh, what a depressing morning. Ugh, depressing, I say, because we are back in the basement to record these. I love the outdoors, and I love being outside. I love the summer when I can sit outside with a cup of coffee at this time. Uh, by the way, this time. I like saying that like you know what time it is right now. It is uh, 640, 6.40 a.m. on Sunday morning, October 22nd. Uh, thank you very much for listening to the podcast. We are officially back into the basement to record these because it's too damn cold outside. Not that it's too cold. I could put on, like, pants and a jacket and a hat and sit outside like anyone else would. It's not freezing outside by any means, but who wants to do that on a Sunday morning? I'm going to stay in my pajamas as long as I can. You know, I always talk about the romance of Sunday mornings. I wake up, I start the sauce, which... I haven't started yet. I'll start as soon as I get done with this podcast. But you know, generally speaking, we never talk about the fact. I'm not decked out when I'm doing that. I'm usually in pajamas when I'm making that sauce. I usually am not out of pajamas. People usually come over around noon for Sunday sauce. I serve at 1230. I'm usually not out of pajamas till about 1130 on a Sunday morning. We are just straight up not going to lie this weekend, you guys. Uh, okay, lot to talk about. And I do have a, a business lesson that, that uh, I think I've... I think I've learned in stages, but this week was a big, big, big like reminder of that lesson of just like, dude, you have got to learn this lesson. Gotten better at it, but this week I got slapped with it again, and it was just like, dude, stop it. Get better. So I'll start with that, um, and it starts with something I got to do this week. I actually went on Monday of this week to tour a plant in Pennsylvania, tour a a, a pasta sauce making plant. And while I do have to sign confidentiality before I do something like that, so unfortunately I can't really talk much about exactly what I saw at this plant. Um, It was a plant called Del Grosso. Their sauces are available all over the place. They private label a lot of items as well. Um, uh, You know, Again, without saying too much, there is a really – really high like high likelihood that you have had something made in this plant if you live in or around upstate western new york uh pennsylvania or anywhere really anywhere in pennsylvania or even uh, northeast ohio where the second most amount of listeners for this podcast come in from and around my hometown del grosso is located uh, close to altoona pennsylvania it's uh Third generation, well, it's actually second generation president right now, a guy named Joe Del Grosso. His son, Joey Del Grosso, is the one who I really spent a lot of time with. He's currently purchasing, and um, so he's basically procurement, but he you know, is, is the future president for all intents and purposes. And I did get to spend a good half hour or so with Joe himself as well, the current president of the company, his father, of course, the founder, and... Um, you know, again, the insides of the plant I can't talk about a lot, but I can talk a little bit about like what made me so enamored by these guys is that they have a beautiful just family history and story and such a unique thing having to do with their, their plant as well. So it's a spaghetti sauce plant, and across the street from it is an amusement park that they also own. Think Seabreeze. Looks like Seabreeze, right? And it was started by their mother and father who bought a house 
on the grounds of an amusement park. <laughs> and the father started operating. He essentially bought this amusement park and then moved the family into this house on the amusement park. So this family grew up in an amusement park. How cool is that? Um, he started operating this amusement park. And within it, they they really got into the sort of the, the culinary side of that and pumping out food every day for their patrons and then eventually turning that into a, a bottling operation. The um, I believe the mother... Their mother, so I think it was Joe Del Grosso's mother's mother, actually operated a cafe, and that cafe was really well known for their pasta sauce, which is then how that became the sauce they started bottling. But he showed me some pictures from like the 19, I want to say it was maybe 1975, no, even before 1975, where they were bottling by hand. Um, And then in 1975, they had eight. 40-gallon kettles, out of which they were hand-filling, meaning actually scooping the sauce out of the kettles and pouring them into jars one by one. And that was just 1975 that they were doing that. We were doing that as of about two years ago ourselves as well. We've we've since moved to automation. Del Grosso's on a whole other level than us, of course, with with uh, with automation. They're a big, big plant, you know, very, very, uh, very high efficiency and very fast run bottles per minute, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, but anyway, the romantic kind of beginnings of how that all started, I just think, are so – it's just such a beautiful story. And, and they just – they were such wonderful people who spent a really good amount of time with us. It was myself and my friend Norm Brown from Birch Bottle who is a uh, – another again, just a, a great guy I've been really lucky to make contact with. Um, he's part of the New York State Food Processors. He is a, as I just mentioned, he's with Birch Bottle, so he's a glass salesman. We actually buy a little bit of glass through him, but we also buy just a ton of uh, our closures. Pretty much almost all the caps for the jars that we use at my plant, we buy through this guy, Norm. So he's, uh, I guess, essentially a sales rep for us, but also um, just a connector, industry connector, been around forever. And fun fact, he's a, he's kind of a bigger gentleman. He's got a big white beard, wears glasses, and he's and he's and he's jolly. Which means he has an extra gig that he does about one month out of the year. He is, he is a Santa Claus about one month out of the year. He, um, oh my God, I should have hold. I should have said spoiler alert. Uh, but, but, but if you have kids listening, this would be a time to maybe make them stop listening. <laughs> um, no, he has a uh, he has a a gig in December. I'll just say that much. So anyway. Um, that was a lot of fun. I learned a lot. And there was something that came up there while we were talking. And, and you know, I, I can't tell you the exact nature of what we were talking about, but they used a term. Joe Del Grosso used a term that would come back to haunt me the very next day. But it was the beginning of something that happened for me two days in a row where I said, I have got to learn this lesson in business. Joe Del Grosso used a term. Core competency. What is a core competency? I'm sure most of you can figure that out on your own, but in general, something you're really good at, right? It's something that you're really good at. It's a core competency, something that you're just naturally good at. You have maybe not naturally good at, but you've worked your way into being good at that thing. It's a core competency. And I heard that term on Monday. I go back to work on Tuesday, and we are running a project 
That is, for all intents and purposes, outside of our core competencies. Now, this is nobody's fault other than my own. I met these couple of guys. They're trying to launch a project. They have prepared meals. Inside of the prepared meals, they want to put these little pouches full of sauce that have their brand on it, their sauce, their brand, their label, et cetera, et cetera. And I tell them, sure thing, we'll take on this project. And I do minimal due diligence, right? I mean, I, I a little bit of due diligence within my own plant, but in general... You know, I just kind of, I don't test it much. I just kind of say, yep, we can take on this project. And of course, the project is a complete cluster. It just, everything that can go wrong goes wrong. It does not fall within our core competency to fill sauce into these little pouches. And, uh, and you know, it was a real lesson for me, one that I have learned a couple of times now. But as I get, as we get bigger as a company, you know, wiping out a whole day of revenue, or in this case, we wiped out, you know, like a half a day of revenue. Because in my defense, had this worked, it would have been pretty profitable for us. Uh, so even the fact that we only did 25% of what we wanted to do that day, which is terrible, <laughs> we still made 50% of the revenue we wanted to make that day. Which means, of course, we did not make 50% of the revenue that we should have made that day. But had we done it, well, anyway, you get the math there. But that being said, why did I take that project on? Why did I say yes? It's not a core competency. Got to learn to say no to those things. The very next night, I have the opportunity to volunteer and to do a, a, a dinner. And I tell you guys all the time I do dinners. Look, last week's podcast, I was on my way to a nursing home. And I did 110 people that day. And it went great. Week before that, I had a, a dinner at uh, Lauren and Mike Dixon and Schwabel's house for uh, RBTL. Went good, right? And this week, I had this one on Wednesday night, and this one went well as well. This was for Rotary, and you know how much I love Rotary. And these were dear friends who won this dinner, and I got to do this dinner inside of a treehouse, which is a really unique setting, at the Sunshine Camp down in Rush. And... Um, and again, the dinner was great. The people were great. The cause is great. But my wife and I are talking a little bit more about being selective because I have a few organizations that I really want to do things for, Rotary being one, Rochester Broadway Theater League being another, Big Brothers Big Sisters being another. But I think after that, it's got to be, and say, of course, St. Anne's Foundation being another. Those are my four boards. But I think after that, it's got to be, a, it's got to start to be no. For doing dinners. Now, some of you listening to this podcast may have attended the Golisano Children's Hospital Gala last night where you saw that I auctioned off a dinner. Okay, that one snuck in. Snuck in under the under the finish line. <laughs> it snuck in just in time. <laughs> just under the gun. But uh, but I'm thinking that, that uh, I turn over a new leaf, and I'm, t- again, talking to my wife about this, I really think that it's got to start to be, hey, I'm going to say yes from a volunteering standpoint, things that are going to take me away from my business and my family, I, I got to start to limit the yeses. And we put a number on it. We put an exact number on it. And we said, you know, I've got these Tuesday rotary lunches that I have to go to. I've got the rotary presidency coming up July through July of 2024 through 2025 that's going to eat up a lot of time. I think beyond that, I'm only going to say yes to maybe one thing per board in terms of dinners and extracurriculars and things like that. And now to wheel that back around to business, 
I'm going to only say yes to things that are within our core competency. So how do you know when it's time to grow your core competency? Because now back to business, that's the next question is there are things we don't do that we could get good at. Look, I mean, those pouches, like I told you, those could be a pretty profitable pouch for us to fill if we could learn how to become good at running those pouches. And so the answer to that is volume commitment. Yeah. So the answer to that is if you have a client come to you and ask you to do something that's outside of your core competency, but it's within the realm. So I'll give you an example. We're a sauce bottler, right? There's different ways to bottle sauce, different packages, different sort of uh, ways to keep it food safe. There's things like what we do, which is hot fill, uh, which basically means we make that food safe by cooking it hot and controlling the pH, the acidity. There's other things that we do, which is a cold fill, where you're not cooking the sauce, but you are adding preservatives to keep it safe. That's another way. There's other methods called like low acid hot fill, which we can do as well, which is more of like a water um, water activity control. But then there's something that we don't do. Something like, let's just take, for example, something called a retort. And you might be saying, what the hell is retort? Well, we talked about it when we talked about Grandma, Bound, Grandma Brown's baked beans. But retort is where you put everything you need into a chamber and it's essentially a giant pressure cooker. And that giant pressure cooker... Uh, heats the the sauce to a temperature you could never heat it to in a kettle, which allows it to get hot enough that you can sort of skip some of the acidification that would be required. Now, let me try and put this into into really layman's terms. Polly, why don't you have an Alfredo sauce? Oh, well, that's a really good answer because the acid level in in Alfredo sauce is very high. The pH is very, uh, I should say it's very low. The pH is very high. The pH is like a six or a seven, and we need it to be around a four. So the way we would get around that normally is we would add acid. But in this case, it's so far off that we would have to add so much acid that it would be inedible. It would just taste sour. You would say, oh, my God, it just tastes like sour. It's just terrible, terrible Alfredo sauce, Polly. What are you doing? Retort is how you get around that. Now you don't have to add acid anymore because you're going to cook it so hot. I mean like 250 degrees, which you can't realistically do in a kettle. The way you do it is with a pressure cooker. And they have giant industrial pressure cookers. It's a whole different method of making sauce. It's not a core competency for us. We can't do it. We don't have the machine to do it. It's not within our skill set. Well, Polly, but it sounds like it would be a really good idea to come out with an Alfredo sauce. You're right. It would be a good idea to come out with an Alfredo sauce. How would we allow that into our core competency? Somebody would have to come along and they would have to say, I have this giant piece of business that I'm willing to sign a volume contract with you on. Please go install a retort system, in which case then we would have to consider it, right? Right. Okay. I hope I didn't lose you in all that. I'm sorry. It's lessons I'm trying to learn, core competencies. Stick to them and be very selective about when you're going to learn a new one. I feel like I did a terrible job of explaining all that. I'm sorry that you ended up inside my head there, and now you know my craziness that's going around all the time. Oh, what else did I want to talk about? Speaking about work, uh, two of this year's Grow New York contestants I got to meet this week. I met the uh, young lady from Food Nerd out of Buffalo, and I also met the guy from a company called Hypercell. 
which is out of uh, Atlanta, but he's actually a French gentleman, born and raised in France, but he's in Atlanta now. Hypercell does, uh, specifically for food manufacturing, they do swab testing, so I can actually um, swab my equipment to see if it's clean in the moment instead of sending it out to a third-party lab, which we currently do. Um, you know, you can do, you clean your equipment and you basically clean it to eyesight. Yeah, it looks clean, right? I follow my steps. I do my, my cleaner, water, sanitizer, and it looks clean. Therefore, it must be clean. Well, once a quarter, we have to swab that to be sure it's clean. You send it out to a lab, you get results a week later. This guy's selling a contraption where I could swab it right in that moment and get those results. Now, those already exist, but of course, he's claiming he can do it a little cheaper, a little easier. Uh, food nerd, um, she has come up with a line of baby food, um, and I think also I think she has adult foods as well. But she's come up with a specific manufacturing method where she's freezing food. Um, and I, again, I can't talk too much about it because I think that this is sort of confidential stuff. But she explained the process a bit. But it's sort of a, a, a unique way of of making fresh food without preservatives and and. Um, I think it has to do with frozen, so it required a whole different type of manufacturing, and so she's trying to get that passed through, and I think that's great as well. So loving the fact that Grow New York's coming up. I've been asked to go down and give a uh, give out one of the $250,000 prizes, which I'm excited to do. She said, I have one minute at the podium. For one minute of work, I'm driving to Binghamton, and I'm staying in a hotel room. For one minute of work, literally one minute. <laughs> And I, and you're probably thinking, Paul, didn't you just talk about saying no to things? Well, listen, I feel indebted to Grow New York. Also, I really want to be there. I like it. I, it's infectious to me. I'm excited to be there. So I will, you know, I will do this. And I'm not going to lie about it. I really want to do this. But it is going to be something that takes me away from stuff. So I'm already full of shit. Um, anyway, she told me I have one minute at the podium and I should, quote, do a micro pitch of craft cannery. You know I'm going to be up there trying to crack jokes for that one minute. <laughs> oh man, oh, what else can we talk? About? I got a lot still to go. I got a lot to go, but I got to get upstairs. I got to pack, man. I'm leaving tomorrow. Did I even tell you this? Yes, I'm going to Louisiana tomorrow. I'm going to Baton Rouge for a few days and then New Orleans for a day for some professional development. It's through uh, Rotary. It's a, the large club conference, uh, national conference for Rotary. And uh, Rotary is a bunch of you know leaders, business owners, and, and um, presidents and CEOs. And it's great groups of people to be in think tanks with. So I'm going to be in think tanks basically all week with leaders from various industries and all Rotarians. It's an excellent opportunity for me for professional development, and I'm excited to be around some of these people. These are going to be some dynamic business people from all across the country that I get to spend some time with. So I like doing that. Love doing that. I think that's important. Professional development is important. Now, from a non-professional standpoint, we had a lot of fun this weekend. Friday, my wife, Ryan Guglielmo, ran her first ever 5K down at the Rochester Rotary Sunshine Camp in our Trail Mix 5K. I and my son, Leo, were both there to root her on, waiting for her at the finish line. Ever so excited to see her cross that finish line. She did a great job. She was uh, She's so proud of herself, and she should be. And she's already looking up and talking about more 5Ks, and uh, I just think it's awesome. Um, I could really see how... 
right before it, like an hour before we left to go to this 5K, she was, you know, having second thoughts and wasn't sure and she might walk some of it, blah, blah, blah. And then she was nervous as we got there, and then all of a sudden she crossed that finish line. She was like a new woman now. She had her confidence, and it was just – I love that. I feel like you just got to do it once, right? Look at me, the 5K expert. But, you know, with anything, it's like you're nervous, you're nervous, you're nervous. You do it once, and then you're like, oh, I could do that. And that's her right now. And so that was awesome, 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 awesome for Ryan. So proud of her for that. Uh, we celebrated. She decided to go out to dinner, and we ended up going to Jeremiah's. We went kind of late. We didn't get to Jeremiah's till about 7 o'clock. This uh, 5K is like an after-work Friday 5K. Um, so we go to Jeremiah's on Monroe Avenue, and Leo was just like over the moon for this because to him, he's going out to eat when it's dark outside. Like to him, he felt like he was out on the town living dangerously, you know? Like it's dark outside, and I'm going to a restaurant Wow, like he was like he was like it was ritzy and glitzy for him, you know. So cute, he's so cute. And then yesterday, Saturday, we went, and uh, this was something I was so excited for, and it was worth every single moment of excitement. Is we went to the auditorium theater for Magic Rocks with Leon Etienne. A nice three p.m. By the way, I love a three p.m. show. Oh. God, it was awesome. Got home, got showered, got changed, got dinner, went to bed at a normal time, and still went to a show during the day. Uh, just a great time. We actually went to the um, New Black Button before we went down to the Auditorium Theater. It's the first time I've been in the New Black Button. Really slick space. Great, great spot. Um, the only thing I was doing is I was looking through those giant windows to look at their manufacturing operation, which they weren't running. Granted, it was a Saturday, but uh, it's just so clean. <laughs> Like, I don't want to be like our place is filthy or anything like that, but I'm looking at their equipment. I'm like just marveling over how clean it is. I'm like, how do you keep everything so pristine and clean? I guess, you know what the secret is? Having the public into your place and constant and having giant windows and constantly knowing that the public's going to be looking at your stuff. That probably helps, right? It's a good amount of pressure. Keep it clean. Uh, Anyway, so then we go to the auditorium theater. We walk in the side door. Immediately as we walk in the side door, a, a, there's this hallway that kind of walks you into where the auditorium is. And to the right, one of the doors opens, like a backstage door opens. Guess who walks out of that door? The freaking magician, Leon at the end, walks out of that door with a security guard. And we're like, oh, my God, that's him. That's the guy. <laughs> and we go, can we get a picture? And so we got a picture, which I got to put on social media. I'll do that today. But we got a nice picture with him. And it was so good. Uh, and then we went in the, you know, went in the theater, watched the magic show. One of my friends, Kristen Hadid, who we went with. Well, now it's not Kristen Hadid anymore. Kristen Anise, I believe, because she and her brand new husband, Kristen and Corey, that was our double date. Uh, they, uh, Kristen got called up on stage for the good old-fashioned ring trick where he takes, takes her engagement ring and then loses it and then finds it in an impossible place inside of a box, which was inside of another box, which was inside of another box is where he found her ring which I think is a great trick. Um, uh, A lot of good tricks. He does like big kind of big illusions and more like danger tricks, like, you know, saving at the last minute kind of stuff. Really, really cool cool shit. Did some close-up stuff too, which I really like that. That's my favorite kind of magic is, my favorite kind is like close-up sleight of hand because I just think it requires so much practice and so much talent. Um, And I left one thing out too. 
The Magic Show was a lot of fun, but something else I got to do this week, and check out their website in the very near future and probably their social media even right now, is yesterday I got to go to the and be a judge once again for the Country Max Halloween Pet Costume Contest in the Henrietta location. This is just a tradition that they've done. I think it's the sixth year they've done it, and it's just a tradition that they've created at Country Max that people are really loving, really sinking their teeth into. This year... The uh, winners, I, I I have the pictures actually. So the winners were for the pet costume contest. Uh, there was the dog in the pumpkin patch where they had decorated a wagon to look like a pumpkin patch, and the dog was like living in the wagon. There was uh, let's see here. There was the the overall winner was an Irondequoit police officer who fashioned a wagon to look like a little, a little jail cell and then put her Frenchie in the in the jail cell in a prisoner costume. <laughs> and then the judge's choice was, this was my favorite one, the judge's choice was a Great Dane, I think that's a Great Dane, I'm not 100% sure, but one of those big dogs. And the dog was actually part of last year's competition with its sister there were two of them last year and they were in the competition and and since last year one of them has passed away which is very very sad and so this year the one that remains was the grieving widow came in a black dress wearing a rosary a hat and had a and and had a table and the table had a ton of pictures on it that were the uh like just memories from their life real pictures from their life together the two dogs that had you know spent years and years together and and it was just so heartwarming like so like it was just makes me want to cry like just talking about it and they um they we gave them the judges choice award the judges were myself uh scott spazano from um the buzz and Stacey Pengen from uh, Channel 10, the meteorologist. And then, of course, it's emceed by the recently retired Terry Clifford at Country Max and Henrietta. And again, there are pictures uh, probably all over their social media, countrymax.com. But just a really good, I just love being involved with Country Max. They are such good people who really just, you know, there's, there is a like, there is a dedication they have to having a great product that just you just don't see oftentimes even from small businesses but you just don't see it from big boxes and big chains country make this sounds like a commercial guys i swear to god in this moment i'm not getting paid a single penny to say this but little things like this costume contest little things like the um the activities that they do inside of the Country Max, the learning rooms that they have, learning centers, the dog, uh, the fact that you come in, you, there's always going to be a water bowl for your dog. There's always going to be something for your dog to eat. You're welcome to bring your pets in. There's little things they don't have to do that they do at Country Max that just make them better. It just it just shows you success, right? Like you, you look how many locations they have. These guys started with one little location in Farmington. And have built it to this. After it's been a couple of decades, but look what they've built it to. They've got locations. I want to say they're in the teens at least, maybe even the twenties in terms of how many locations they have. Go in there, walk around, and realize that thing. Just look at the architecture. Look how it's built. It's built right. It's run right. They treat people right. It just really is a, a really good case study 
in how to be successful in business is what those guys have done with that country mix. So, all right. Well, thank you very much for listening. I'm sorry. I feel like some of this podcast was a little incoherent when I was going through the core competency stuff, but I hope you followed it. I appreciate you being here. I'm going to have a week in Louisiana, probably talk a lot about that next week. I love you, and uh, thank you for listening. I'm going to go make some sauce and watch football. Go Browns. Go Bills.